You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. This is one of New Zealand's darkest days. A carefully planned terror attack on innocent people at their place of worship. Good evening and thanks for joining us. An atrocity in Christchurch, New Zealand is sending shockwaves around the world tonight. A mass shooting unfolding in two mosques full of worshippers for Friday prayers. It's now Saturday afternoon in Christchurch and the full realization of the tragedy is setting in. Three people arrested, including the alleged gunman who's already made his first court appearance. Here's what we know. At least 49 people are dead. More than 40 others injured. Police have charged a 28-year-old man with murder. Two others are in custody. Aaron MacArthur now with more on how this all unfolded and what we're learning about the investigation. Overcome with grief. Frantic for any kind of news. Worshippers at the Al Noor Mosque facing the realization that more than 40 of the people they knew and loved are gone. Of all the fatalities, family, friends that we've known for 19 years, dead, people who were there for my engagement, dead. The shooting started just after 1.30 Friday afternoon in Christchurch. Hundreds of people just sitting down to prayer. And uh, he came this side, he shot this side, he went to another room, shot there, there's a ladies section, he went and shot them. I saw some people uh, had blood on their uh, body and some people were limping. And then everybody just ran toward the back doors just to save themselves. The shooter self-identified as Brenton Tarrant, the 28-year-old Australian influenced by other mass shootings around the world. The gunfire lasted six minutes. The shooter with enough time to go back to his car to get an additional weapon. He had five guns in total, all of them marked with white supremacist slogans and propaganda. I never thought in my life I'd love to see something like this. Not in New Zealand. There was another mosque targeted a few kilometers away about a half an hour later. Seven more people murdered there before the gunman was disarmed by a worshiper. He saw opportunity and pounced over him and grabbed his gun. He was completely with body armor and he had a helmet, he had a vest. Christchurch police arrested a man a short distance away from the mosques. Two bombs were disarmed and two more people were taken into custody. What I want to tell you uh, right now is that we had no, no agency had any information about these people. I can tell you one thing right now. Our gun laws will change. Reaction from around the world has been swift and universal. Calls for unity and support coming from all corners. People in New Zealand left with the anguish of the country's worst mass murder in history. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. World leaders, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, condemning the attacks. Our PM tweeting this morning, quote, Canada strongly condemns today's shootings and... We join New Zealanders and Muslim communities around the world in grieving. And Jill Bennett is live in Vancouver tonight where one of many vigils is being held. Jill, there has been an outpouring of support. What are leaders in the Muslim community telling you? Chris, all day people have been bringing flowers, offering condolences to members of the B.C. Muslim community. And leaders in that community are also talking about this, saying while the attacks in New Zealand are devastating, this is the time when people need to be strong. When someone is engaged in something which is so productive, so peaceful, so positive, there is no justification that can be made to 
perpetrates such type of act. Friday's prayer service at this mosque, a way for people to mourn, while also trying to make sense of the mass killing in New Zealand. We cannot fight hate with hate. We have to show love. And uh, together, if we are united, we can make a difference in the community. The BC Muslim Association has about a dozen mosques in this province. People have been leaving flowers outside many of them, offering support and condolences. This isn't the first time mosques have been the target of extreme violence. But this imam says those who perpetuate the hate will lose. They are always in a losing situation. They will be the losers. And, but we have to remain patient and not be panic and not paranoia. At the same time, work closely with the law enforcement to be able to basically resolve these types of issues you know, in, in the near future. Outside local mosques Friday, there was a strong police presence. Vancouver police are prepared for instance like this. We train for them. We do not want them to happen here. We're not expecting anything to happen, but if it does, we're prepared. The, the fact that this, uh, this shooter came in and uh, opened fire in such a methodical and callous way, uh, it's horrifying. And, uh, and it could happen anywhere. While the community mourns and flags are lowered, there are also many questions about why this happened. Well, I think there's a number of things that are, are driving it. Certainly what we're seeing is the uh, kind of traction that uh, all the so-called alt-right, white supremacist, white nationalist groups are having in a number of countries and the kind of xenophobic uh, backlash that they capitalize on in order to spread their message. Still, it's a crime that for so many people is unthinkable. It's like I minister to a congregation, you know, and I can't even imagine what it would be like, you know, the grief and the loss. This reverend wanted to let those at this mosque know they have his full support. And I just want you to know that like, we're really aware, really like hearts go out you know, to you in the Muslim community. Now, in addition to regularly scheduled Friday prayers, there are several vigils being held for people to show their support. One of those will be happening right behind me at the mosque, 655 West 8th Avenue in Vancouver, 7.30 this evening. It is open to anybody who wants to come by to show their support, to offer up prayers. The organizer saying it's a way to show good in the world. Chris, back to you. I imagine there'll be a good crowd there later. Thank you, Jill. Well, the terror attack became a gruesome spectacle for millions around the world as the gunmen streamed it live on social media. And while Global News as a network has chosen not to air the horrific video, it is raising questions tonight about the role these platforms play in the viral spread of violence. Global Sean O'Shea reports. The Christchurch horror played out in real time on social media. The gunman had strapped on a head-mounted camera and broadcast his killing rampage on a Facebook live stream for all to see. And right now, psychologically, mentally, we are feeling more and more unsafe. The video was watched, then shared widely, and left up on social media sites like YouTube for hours, to the horror of many of those who called for the content to be removed. I think we're in the midst of the same kind of viral infestation of bad information, it's like, it's like another kind of epidemic. In a statement, Twitter said it was deeply saddened by the shootings, adding it has rigorous processes and a dedicated team for managing emergency situations such as this. YouTube, which is owned by Google, said it was working vigilantly to remove any violent footage. Facebook said it quickly removed the shooter's Facebook and Instagram accounts and the video and any praise or support for the crime. They can remove the recordings, but you will never be able to prevent the initiation, 
and the start and the transmission. Unlike conventional media like television news, which decides ahead of time what to broadcast, there's far less scrutiny of violent acts on social media. Mainstream media outlets can impose content restrictions and do. At Global News, for example, a decision to suspend comments on stories like these in an effort to prevent the publication of offensive content. The people that are committing these crimes have been getting their information from the internet. An internet without absolute rules about what should be seen and who decides. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. There's more information tonight about a Maple Ridge man facing a number of disturbing charges, including child pornography and sexual assault. Daniel John Olson worked as a youth and care worker in Maple Ridge. And as Sarah McDonald reports, that wasn't his only contact with children. He's long been involved in working with children in Ridge Meadows, from schools to sports teams, and according to multiple sources, even fostering children inside his own home. Now Daniel John Olson faces a string of disturbing charges. Olson is facing eight counts of sexual interference, two counts of sexual assault with a weapon, and one count respectively of possessing child pornography and making, possessing or publishing it. We know Olson is a longtime fixture in the Ridge Meadows area, working in the child and youth care sector at multiple elementary and secondary schools in this district and coaching children in both soccer and hockey over the past two decades. Charges in this case were first laid one week ago with those allegations against Olson only surfacing two months ago. Sources say Olson is a longtime foster parent in this province. The Ministry of Children and Family Development not confirming that other than to say it took steps to ensure Olson had no further contact with children in care as soon as those allegations came to light, adding the ministry works with police as appropriate in any ongoing police investigation. This is a perfect time to open up some dialogue with your children. Um, if the parents have any concerns, um, our utmost concern is community safety. School District 42, which covers Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows, says Olson has been on leave since district officials became aware of his arrest. Olson is back in court April 2nd. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Maple Ridge. Emergency crews called to a fiery crash in Coquitlam this afternoon. <laughs> Witnesses tell Global News the truck flipped over on Highway 7 and United Boulevard, skidding some 300 feet before bursting into flames. RCMP say it's not clear at this point exactly what happened, but there are no injuries and it appears the driver left the scene. And a man has died in a crash in Maple Ridge along Kanaka Way this morning. The crash involved a Mazda 3 and Nissan Pathfinder. The driver of the Mazda 3 died at the scene while his two passengers and the other driver were all rushed to hospital. Investigators are now trying to determine how this happened. A court appearance in Boston today for the Vancouver businessman charged in connection with a U.S. college admissions bribery scandal. David Sadu pleaded not guilty. Catherine Urquhart has more on his appearance and the conditions Sadu must now abide by. Vancouver businessman David Sadu exits federal court in Boston, surrounded by his team of high-profile lawyers. David Chesnoff has represented Paris Hilton, Martha Stewart, and Lindsay Lohan, among others. He just entered a plea of not guilty. We're going to address all the allegations in court. We're happy to be in a great court like uh, the United States District Court for Boston. And we look forward to our day in court. Sadu's appearance was brief. 
court documents reveal his release was secured with the bond of 1.5 million U.S. dollars. There are conditions. His travel is restricted to the U.S. and Canada, and he's prevented from speaking to anyone else charged in the massive U.S. university admission scam. Sadu was arrested March 8th in San Jose, California, one of approximately 50 people charged in the case. It's alleged he paid $200,000 to have someone write SAT exams for his two sons in 2011 and 2012. Also in court Friday, in connection with the wide-reaching investigation, Felicity Huffman, along with her husband, William H. Macy, the frail-looking couple believed to be at the L.A. courthouse to complete paperwork. I'm proud of the group. Sidhu has stepped aside from executive positions with East-West Petroleum and Advantage Lithium. He's due back in court April 18th, and he could face up to 20 years behind bars. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Right now, though, new aerial footage shows the site where an Ethiopian Airlines plane crashed over the weekend. The passenger jet bound for Kenya crashed minutes after takeoff, killing all 157 people on board, including 18 Canadians. One of those Canadians, a father and businessman from Vernon. Chunming Wong was heading to Nairobi to gather his final paperwork in order for his family to become permanent residents in Canada. Wong's death now raising concerns among friends about the family's status here. He loved candy. He loved to breathe the air and just say how fresh. Chunming Wong was trying to get the paperwork he needed for his Canadian citizenship when his flight bound for Nairobi crashed in Ethiopia on Sunday. I think his dream was to come to Canada. The businessman bought Vernon's Big O tires in 2016, moving his wife and two daughters to the Okanagan. Shop manager Garnet Willett says Wong was originally from China, but had lived in Kenya years ago. And part of his immigration to get into Canada, this was almost like the final hurdle, was to do some paperwork about his living there for the Canadian government. Willett remembers Wong, who was known as Jack around the shop, as a good boss and mechanically gifted. Always friendly and happy to lend a hand. Like to buy Kentucky Fried Chicken for us on Tuesdays when it was a special deal and bring us Kentucky Fried Chicken. Willett says the shop will feel emptier without Wong's quick smile and he's worried for the future of Wong's family. We're unsure with their citizenship what's going to happen. Willett says it's heartbreaking knowing that the sole reason for Wong's three-day trip to Africa was simply to fulfill his Canadian dream. Jules Knox, Global News, Vernon. Well, here's something you might not know. Today is National Password Day. Mm -hmm. It's an initiative by the Better Business Bureau to remind us all to be proactive about cybersecurity. Yeah, we'll bring in our consumer reporter, Andrew, now with some tips on how to protect yourself and your sensitive information too, right, Anne? Yeah, it's a huge problem. It's recommended you change your password every three months. Mm -hmm. Thanks, you too. The Better Business Bureau is recommending that at the very least you change your passwords on the top three accounts you would not want to have hacked. The Better Business Bureau says 73% of users repeat the same password for multiple online accounts, and that could spell trouble when it comes to your personal information. If your account gets hacked, chances are other accounts will too, making you the victim of identity theft. 
So to protect yourself, it's best to create a strong password. The BBB is recommending you use between 8 to 13 characters with a combination of upper and lower case letters, numbers and symbols. Avoid words found in the dictionary. Stay away from using family and pet names, birth dates, and avoid adding a number or letter to the last password you had. Also, for those accounts you don't use, you might want to get rid of them altogether. Many of us have accounts that we've not used in months and maybe even years. If there is an account that you have not used in over a year, we encourage you to close it because scammers like dormant and inactive accounts. What could end up happening is that they'll probably use those accounts to scam other people, but it would be happening under your name. Now, it can be very difficult to remember various password combinations. Cybersecurity experts recommend a password manager tool that can safely store and manage complex passwords in an encrypted database. The key is not to use the same password everywhere and to make it strong. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. So not password 1234 then? No. 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 Okay. No. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There's so many people still use that, though. All right, th- thanks very much. Last night, we told you about the prospect of driverless semi-trailers on the highways of North America, not as far away as you might think. Tonight, we can tell you that a Richmond-based company wants to take it a step further, quietly testing driverless delivery around Metro Vancouver, albeit with drivers behind the wheel for safety. Jennifer Palmer reports. Engage the uh, autonomous driving. It's a quiet experiment, letting Novex Delivery Solutions figure out how to use self-driving cars like this Tesla Model 3 to improve their workflow. It was 7% of the time uh, we were you know, wasting time trying to find uh, that elusive parking spot. But will autonomous vehicles help or hinder the traffic problem in the metro area? They also might be um, creating more congestion on the roads because not only will people be driving to somewhere, but then the empty cars will be relocating to another place to pick someone else up. Currently, B.C. laws don't permit driverless vehicles on our roads, but the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure says it's monitoring the development and testing of autonomous vehicles, adding they've established a working group to look into insurance requirements, policy and regulatory implications when it comes to these types of vehicles in B.C., but there are bumps in the road. Yeah, people need to understand is if there was no car in front of me at this point, uh, it doesn't recognize a red light. Uh. For Novex, the three-week experiment is moving them towards a more efficient delivery model. And for the time being, a human will still be at the wheel, ready to steer away from trouble. Jennifer Palma, Global News. So we've been here since 3.30, and uh, we've been watching this fire just get bigger and bigger. It's not often you hear about a nine-alarm fire, but that's what they're dealing with in Boston tonight. At least 100 firefighters battling a blaze in a casket company. The massive fire forcing the evacuation of the neighborhood and the closure of a subway line. That fire is still burning at this hour and is expected to for some time. Hundreds of thousands of children around the world simultaneously walked out of class today. Hundreds of students across B.C. skipped classes as well to rally and march through the streets of their cities this afternoon, taking part in a worldwide protest. They joined hundreds of thousands of students around the world who were mobilized by social media and word of mouth to protest the failure of governments 
to take action against climate change. Among the messages the students took to their legislators, denial is not a policy and there are no jobs on a dead planet. The coordinated rallies inspired by 16-year-old Swedish activist Greta Thunberg, who began holding solitary demonstrations outside Sweden's parliament last year. A big funding announcement for BC's marine habitat. The federal and provincial governments will spend nearly $150 million over the next five years to protect and increase wild salmon stocks. As Linda Aylesworth reports, while critics are generally happy with the money, they're hoping it's spent in the right places. Our wild Pacific salmon populations are in trouble, have been for some time now. Compounded on that is, relatively speaking, uh, over the last decade or so, inaction by our governments. But today in Victoria, there was reason to hope that things might be changing. Last fall, our government, in partnership with BC, announced that it will create a new BC Salmon Restoration and Innovation Fund. And I am happy to announce today that the fund is now open for business. A fund with a $142.8 million bank account. 70% of the money coming from the federal government, 30% from the province of B.C. Canada is contributing $100 million over the next five years with a key focus on supporting projects directed at biodiversity and salmon habitat protection and restoration. I'm so delighted that the province of British Columbia can contribute $42 million to the Salmon Restoration Fund to make sure that we're working on critical issues. The money will be distributed among community and indigenous groups, researchers, commercial fish harvesters and conservationists. We've been very critical of both the provincial and the federal governments on a number of decisions they've made around wild salmon. Um, but I do think it is important to recognize that they have done um, a good thing here today. But whether or not the money will actually be spent in ways that will improve the struggles wild salmon face remains to be seen. We've got a lot of work ahead of us for uh, habitat rehabilitation and identifying the various threats. We've got to stick with this year after year. That's why the Pacific Salmon Foundation and First Nations raise these issues constantly. It's going to take a long-term uh, commitment. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, the war of words continues over the provincial government's decision to bring home care providers under its watch. The BC Care Providers Association says the move will lead to significant job losses. Acclaimed Health Minister Adrian Dix denies. Richard Zussman has more. It was supposed to be smooth sailing, but it's been anything but. The provincial government rolling private home supports for home care back into health authorities for the southern Vancouver Island and two major health authorities in Metro Vancouver. But the BC care providers say it's not a good move, even though the contracts are expiring this year and into next year. The care providers say this could cause some serious job losses, including people who just don't want to work for the provincial government. I'm not sure all those 4,000 employees are going to go over to the government. A lot of them enjoy working for community nonprofits. They don't want to work for the government of British Columbia. We're in the middle of a health human resource crisis. We cannot afford to be rolling the dice and hoping that the services will be better after. But BC Health Minister Adrian Dick says it's just not true. Those numbers aren't based on any reality. Dick citing documents provided by Beacon Health, the private provider on Vancouver Island, that will be first to be rolled into the health authority. Dick says all jobs will be protected and could eventually lead to more jobs and improved care. It's not my expectation there'll be any layoffs. In fact, we're expanding home support. Look, there have been four major reports on home support. 
in the last number of years all have shown inadequacy in the system. I don't blame the care providers for that. I blame the previous government. Dick says the contracts are set to expire. The decision was made by the health authorities, not the provincial government. He's expecting more coordinated care, which he says is a good thing for patients. Under the new model, the health authorities will be able to work more closely with patients once they go home for home care. But in this battle of words, the final word for now goes to Daniel Fontaine. The BC care providers saying that there is no legislation that requires the province to actually hire these workers now that it moves under the health authority's control. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. It's called a climbable sculpture, the new tourist attraction with a $200 million view. And there's direct flights from Vancouver. We'll tell you where it is coming up after the forecast. Just before the forecast, though, with the winter of 2018-2019, apparently in the rearview mirror, we hope, attention is turning now to what's ahead for spring and summer, particularly when it comes to forest fires and water levels. That's right. Kylie Stanton talks to the experts about what could be in store, including one potential problem that might come as a surprise. It's been a winter many won't soon forget. Snow and bitterly cold temperatures that just didn't seem to let up. The one thing missing on the wet west coast was the rain. An Arctic front came down and that air mass was very dry. And so we did receive less precipitation from many areas for February. Province-wide, the snowpack is sitting at an average of 89% of normal. But there are several areas like the Northwest and Vancouver Island that are currently measuring well below, raising concerns about possible drought conditions going into the summer. Other areas could emerge if, if the patterns that we've seen continue, uh, where we're just not going to have the same amount of water coming down as we come into the, the summertime. BC Hydro is monitoring the situation, reporting lower than usual water supply in some areas. The reservoir levels are slightly lower than again compared to, uh, to last year. That's the case in Metro Vancouver. Water restrictions will come into effect on May 1st, but given the circumstances, residents are being urged to be proactive. If we start early with regards to keeping in mind um, conservation and using only the water that we need, then we should have plenty of supply to last us well into the end of summer, if not into a very dry fall. On the flip side, this could be good news for places like Grand Forks that saw massive flooding last year as the snowpack there quickly melted. A reduced amount this year may bring some relief. Well, we're certainly seeing when we have the lower snowpacks, the risk is less going into the spring melt and the spring freshet. Uh, but always the wild card is how the rain pans out. And that's also the wild card when it comes to wildfires. With roughly 80% of this year's precipitation already in the books, there needs to be a dramatic change in the pattern in order to turn things around and prevent tinder-dry conditions going into the summer months. And while warmer weather is on the way, at least for now, the rain isn't expected to come along with it. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Sure looks nice with that sunshine out. It does. And let's get more details on the uh, rain and the distant forecast that I don't even know if we can see it yet. Let's find out what's going on with Christy.
Thanks so much. Yeah, so I wanted to just give you a little bit of detail. This is a graph showing the snowpack, using the South Coast as an example. By the way, it's called Disappointment Lake, where this is not a place to go on a date. But anyways, this blue line here shows this year here. This is the average. You can see we are well below that. This is just into mid-March there. But the key here is, uh, for those of you that are worried about flooding, we're not totally in the clear because we still have a good month and a half of snow to happen, meaning that this could come up a little bit more and we could increase that snowpack. And then the question is, when we're thinking about flooding, is what happens after the snow has all fallen? It's the weather that happens while it's melting that can be the biggest concern for flood risk. So increased flood risk during the spring freshet season can happen... uh, can increase when we have prolonged periods of sunshine and above seasonal temperatures. So we'll be watching for that as we head into May in particular as well. If temperatures at night stay above freezing so that that melt continues. And then lastly, if we have rain and especially if we have prolonged periods of warm rain, that's when we get rapid melt and we start to see flooding. Outside, it is beautiful right now. We're still headed towards terrific conditions despite the rain for the outer coast. For our area, just a little bit of cloud cover, and that is it. So there's that rainfall along the coast. Inland regions, mild, sunny. We'll see some cloud cover tomorrow. Tomorrow really is a transition day. And then Sunday, St. Patrick's Day, we clear out, and we'll see that right into the beginning of spring. And I'll leave you with a nice shot looking towards Mount Baker today. Thanks to Agata for that. That is beautiful. It always is. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Well, it's not like New York really needs another tourist attraction. It has a spectacular new landmark just the same. One, two, three. Of course, it's Big Bird cutting the ribbon. The $25 billion Hudson Yards officially opened today on what was once a barren rail yard on the west side of Manhattan. 18 million square feet of stores, restaurants, luxury condos, and a performing arts center. The centerpiece is a $200 million climbable sculpture called Vessel, with more than 150 interconnected staircases that lead to spectacular views all around. What a spot. So you can exercise, too. That's sure can. super cool. It's the ultimate Stairmaster, that yeah. thing. They missed the mark. That thing should be a water slide. Oh, that's over the place. That'd be cool. Yeah, Hold on. Point. <coughs> Uh-oh. Is that me. a sneeze? I don't know. Okay, well, No, it's, it's from here. Okay. Um, that okay. would be something if I sneeze from my throat. See that guy right there in the back? Recognize him? That is actor Jason Momoa being welcomed by the Chehalis First Nation last night to a traditional fish feast. Momoa has been filming a series all week in Harrison Mills, Kilby, and Chehalis. The community honored him at this ceremony and says he had everyone in tears making time for everyone and even took part in the drumming, dancing, and the singing with some of the kids and the elders as well. It's a good dude. The crowd loved him at rugby when he was here for rugby, and obviously he's good in the community, mm-hmm. too. I'm when sure. I was coughing, Christy says, oh, I'll get you some water. I'd have been happy with just a little Dixie cup, but she goes, <laughs> She's got you a nice Chardonnay class. there is what it looks like. How is it? Don't, you're in the middle of a show, so it's, go it's, easy on that stuff. It's vintage. <laughs> it's been around for billions of years. Um, ever since Elias Pedersen stopped scoring, the Canucks have become Marky Mark and the Stuck in a Funk Bunch. 
The reason they stayed in the playoff race was because of Jacob Markstrom, who will start tonight at home against New Jersey. Elias Pettersson might be the rookie of the year in the NHL, but Markstrom has been the Canucks MVP. At age 29, now in his eighth NHL season, Jacob Markstrom is starting to play like the goalie many figured he would become. And that's a dependable, consistent starter who gives his team a chance to win every night. But it always hasn't been that way. Markstrom's had his struggles trying to live up to the expectations. But this year it's all clicked and he's never played better. Something his teammates appreciate but don't try to explain. I don't know. Goalies are pretty weird, so <laughs> I don't know like what triggers them. He's been a wall this whole year. Like, he's played really well. And he's uh, kept us in games that we've lost, and he's stole us some games that we probably didn't deserve to win that we won, and he's given us a chance every single night, and that's all you can really ask of your goalie. This is Markstrom's fourth full season as a Canuck, but just his second as their true number one. He's had pockets of great work, but this is the first time he's really been able to string together a long stretch of superb play. Charity. Uh, I think he's just matured. Being a goalie in a Canadian market is also extra pressure, and he's learned to handle handle it along with his competitive nature a lot better. He's probably the MVP of the team, in, in my opinion. He works incredibly hard. He's a great teammate, great person, and I'm, uh, I'm really happy for him. Neil in. Stop by Markstrom. What a night for him. Markstrom has been a calming influence on a young team that's left him to fend for himself on many nights. He has the third most saves in the NHL. His goals against and save percent numbers are similar to last year, but gone are the deflating weak goals replaced with pivotal saves that keep his team in the game or in the lead. It's a confidence that's been very noticeable to his teammates. More comfortable now. He's been here for a few years and um, that shows on, on and off the ice. I think um, he's become a, a big voice in our room and he's, a, he's definitely one of the leaders now and he, um, he's proven that on the ice also. The Flames dressing room with a red carpet. Okay, Matthew Kachuk. Look at this pass by Matthew Kachuk. That's right. I'd much rather have Ole Olevi. Great pass to Johnny Gaudreau. Scores. One more look. The pass, and then, of course, the move has to be made. 1-1, Flames and Rangers in the first period. Whitecaps coach Mark DeSantos doesn't like to use the excuse that he has so many new players. The Whitecaps are almost like an expansion team. But they are. And the players aren't shy about talking about it. Vancouver's in Houston tomorrow. The Whitecaps are 0-2 right now. And if you ask the players, they'll tell you there are things that they have to learn about their new teammates before all of this comes together, such as? Tendencies, um, playing to each other's strengths, um, understanding. Once you understand your teammates, you, you know what their weaknesses and strengths are. You know what can put them in better situations. Um, passing and crisp is all of that kind of stuff you know um and once we we build on our identity and we know what we want to do going forward and how we we need to play all of that stuff really does come into effect but no as of right now the boys are positive we're confident and we're happy and we're we're, we're definitely 100 percent behind mark Tiger Woods had it going on at the Tour Championship. Then he got to the 17th hole. He's minus five. It's a little concerned. It lands on the green and then... No, 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 Splash one. Drops closer to the hole and then this one flattens out and it's splash two. He takes a seven on a par three. 
He's now three under par for the tournament. Tommy Fleetwood out of the miniature bunker. This is going in. He's uh, tied for the lead with Rory McIlroy at minus 12. Nick Taylor made the cut at minus two. They drew the Champions League quarterfinal matchups. Four English teams still left. United and Barcelona, the marquee of those four home and home series. There you go. Here's your snow report for tonight. A little bit of fresh snow across the region. Whistler Blackcomb picking up three centimeters in the last 24 hours. Grouse just one, but Cypress 10, Sasquatch one as well. Revelstoke has 10 centimeters of fresh snow. Fernie, Manning Park and Whitewater though, nothing new. Big White, Silver Star and Sun Peaks also nothing new, but lots of sunshine in the forecast. It's going to feel like spring skiing. Kicking Horse three centimeters, Mount Washington one and Powder King 11. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Okay. Satellite debris, Friday so evening. That's right. And we're going to start off with baby races. Oh, no yeah. walking. You must still be crawling. Find your parent. First one to do that wins. And here we go. But some of the contestants have issues. What if you go to the wrong? Well, this one has issues already. She doesn't even want to be involved. Here the floor is No, I know. She's a clean freak. I agree with that, kid. That looks very good. Confused. Look shiny, that floor. Confused, confused. Oh, we have a leader. And then he just stops for some reason. This one's not interested at all. And then someone catches up. Uh-oh. He lets him catch up. Hey, buddy. And interference, it, interference. It, well, he does try. It looks like the guy who caught up is going to pass, or maybe it's a girl. I'm not really sure. But then she decides to stop, or he decides to stop. And this one finally recognizes his mother. And we have a winner. And there'll be no silver or bronze because the other ones never did finish. <laughs> so just the gold. That's all you get. There's something shiny off in the corner. <laughs> Boy. That's right, yeah. Okay, so this commercial is uh, from Skoda. And what they are basically promoting, I think it's in French, but what they're promoting is, uh, in their cars, seatbelts for your dog. Ah. There we right. go. d'une tonne. C'est pour cela que Skoda a conçu une ceinture de sécurité pour chiens. Vos equipment. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, I guess the idea of it is the big dog, your dog becomes like a projectile, a one-ton projectile. If right. You're an accident. Sat there quite big one. Yes, he did. Uh, last one also includes dogs and cars, but this time the dogs are driving the cars.
French in it too. There <laughs> well, you it go. is our other official language, so. Yes, so you're right. you are correct. Well done. Bilingual Saturday. Merci. All right, spring break officially began today for a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, last look at the weather before we go for the weekend. Sure, it's really going to be nice. Tomorrow, still some cloud, but otherwise dry conditions through until Friday. We transition to spring. It's St. Patrick's Day and it's spring break. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Enjoy your spring break. I Are will you taking be. Taking off too? I am. Yeah, yeah, for a little bit. You guys mm -hmm. hold down the. Hold down the we'll fort do what we for can. Us. We'll yeah. do what we can. No worry, we'll Our thoughts with Christchurch, New Zealand. Obviously, tonight a lot of people will be heading out to vigils around the area. There's a live shot right now of one at the mosque on West 8th Avenue in Vancouver. Have a good evening, everyone.